What's up, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the FFS podcast. If memory serves me right, this is episode number five of this very special FFS Euro series. Something that I began during the summer to cover this very special tournament. So, if you haven't listened to our previous episodes, uh, one, two, three, four, please go check them out either on the audio podcast or and also on the YouTube channel. So you can check that, check us out there. We've reacted to a couple of the group stages game, the initial ones especially. And now for episode number five, we are going to close down the group stage by reacting and reviewing to the all-important game between France and Portugal. Or Portugal and France, I'm not sure which is the home team here. Okay, before we get to introductions, let's kind of talk to you about how we're going to do this particular video slash audio podcast. So for those of you who haven't listened to our previous episodes, the format is thus. We're going to start with a pre-match build-up, then we go react to the first half, then do a halftime review, then do a second half reaction, and then do the post-match review. Now it's slightly complicated because the pre-match build-up, the halftime review, and the full-time review are only available on the audio podcast, whereas the reaction is completely on YouTube. So what I normally tell guests is to wait for both to be released and then kind of do it side by side. But I, I completely understand because I put the audio podcast out first. So you could probably do that and then watch the reaction later when it is uploaded. So I guess that's about it. It's slightly complicated, but I mean, I'm sure you'll still have fun either way. So to help me in this particular reaction video slash podcast, uh, we've got Akash and Ajay. But before we get to... Talking about the game, I think we should just do a quick introduction. So, Akash, let's start with you. Welcome to the podcast, and why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Hi, Pratim. Uh, it's good to be here on the podcast. So, a little bit about myself is that starting with the fact that I am a big Real Madrid fan, and so supporting France was like natural to me because not just like Karim Benzema, but then there is. Rafael Varane is also there and the Holy Grail, Kylian Mbappe is also a France player. So for me, supporting France came naturally in the Euro 2020. And about myself, I just graduated from an architecture college. So now I will move on to my future studies or job. Yeah, passion for football has always been there since I was like seven standard in school. So now it's at the peak and hopefully the match will really be exciting for me to have a good podcast. Yeah, definitely. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this. And Ajay, uh, like Akash mentioned, he's following France because of obviously certain players in the Madrid team and also the potential Kylian Mbappe. Are you, I would have thought being linked to Kylian Mbappe, you would have been supporting France as well. I, because I forget you were, we were linked with uh, Ronaldo first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, hi. Uh, I'm Ajay. I'm a Newcastle United fan for the longest of times. And uh, I think this is Perdue's way of, you know, getting one back at me for all the times that I talk about the transfer window. So, yeah, I think uh, I've been taking the liberty of, you know, supporting countries that, that have potential. And like, you know, in the club scene where it's, it's, it's literally dead water pretty much all the time. So, I've been trying to kind of switch between, you know, countries. I started with Spain earlier. And then Germany, and then it was a toss-up between Portugal and Italy now. And I was just thinking, I, although I love Italy and the way Mancini is actually revolutionizing uh, Italian football, 
uh, you know, my money this time around was on Portugal. So here I am. And, uh, you know, my love for Ronaldo is is something that everyone else would, would probably vouch for. So I think that's also another factor. Awesome. Brilliant. I'm, I'm glad we could have you on here. I can't wait to uh, react to that. Just like a, I wouldn't say spoiler alert, but for those of you who probably watched our previous episode, Every match that is, that we've probably covered on the podcast has been quite a dull game. I wanted to cover the Portugal Germany, the one match that I probably was most ex- no, yeah, well, yeah, Portugal Germany game of the one match that I was really excited for and that I didn't do, and that ended up being like a four-two victory and like loads of drama and all of that. But hoping you know, fifth times the charm. I said that after the for the third match. I said that for the fourth one. So hopefully, fifth times the charm here. And yeah, we can't wait to see you know how the game goes. So let's start by talking about how you're feeling about this game because this is the final group stage game three teams fighting out for those three positions and at the end of the day you could find your teams facing anyone basically you could find yourselves facing netherlands or i, I don't think italy italy and i think the other one is booked i think uh, so you won't be italy, italy and austria is, is almost certain i think yeah it, it, italy austria and wales denmark are certain so you could play netherlands you could play belgium you could play uh, england. england sweden yeah you could play any of these big teams so it, it, it's certainly going to be exciting so, ajay let's get your thoughts so i mean how excited are you for this final match day of the group stages uh, i think i'll just i'll just lean on what you said earlier which is in terms of this being a dull game right for portugal's sake i i really hope not because uh, that that would literally kill any hopes whatsoever of them finishing in the top 2 all right with the way they are currently positioned so i would you know knowing santos and how he likes to be defense minded first before he be you know even if he if, even if he wants to take the liberty of going bludgeoning you know bludgeoning the what do you call it uh, the opposition he always has five people covering Uh, his post at any point in time. I think that's the kind of mindset that he brings to the table. I think this game. I think I'll draw references to what happened in the League of Nations last year, right? When Portugal were literally tough to beat, and they were they, they were relying on the counter, and Kante literally broke their hearts the second time around. All right. Um, there's very few chances that were created from Portugal's end, although they had all the players, uh, you know, at their disposal. So if he goes with the same mindset this time around, France will eat them because they have nothing to lose. They can afford to be creative, afford to be you know attacking in the first few minutes. So I think from that that sense, I think France, if if Portugal sits back, they are they are there for the taking, right? Especially with with how weak their defense has been, you know, in the German game also. So I think that is that is something that I would want Santos to look at. and approach the game differently. Yeah, Akash, uh, I guess also same questions and also, you know, Ajay did mention about you know France being can be more creative, but if you look at their so the lineup that they've put out there, especially at the back, you know, they've gone for what is essentially four center backs across the back line. Uh we saw Hernandez do a brilliant job against Germany, you know, neutralizing Kimmich to the extreme and that's something that probably Deschamps is looking at to do against Bernardo Silva, Diogo Jota that side and maybe he didn't want to take the risk of playing Pavard on the other side uh, you know going against the likes of Ronaldo possibly so maybe put a uh, put Kunde there center back I just want to know what your thoughts are on all of that 
Honestly, I don't really like this lineup a lot because what I have seen in the past two games is France have lacked teeth in attack. They have had control of the midfield at times, a lot of times actually. Even they have defended relatively well. Like it's not that bad. Uh, if you even when they were playing attacking players like Pavard on the right wing back, so I don't think. This lineup is very a positive move from Deschamps, considering their attacking problems. But I can understand that because Portugal has scored five goals in the last two games, so maybe he is not going for a kind of win you would expect from France's front line. Maybe he is going for more control in the game and hitting them when he gets the chance. So I think patience is what is. Going for and controlling midfield, like as we saw from the Germany game, Portugal had control, but they let Germany into the game. They should have finished it after Ronaldo's first goal, but they couldn't, and then Germany came back. So I think that's what he's going for to neutralize the attack first, and then manage to take control of the game. All right, and I guess uh, who's the one person who's probably missing? I think Tolisso's come in. I'm not sure who who's he replacing Rio, over there. Rabio. Rabio. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I guess that's almost like like. No, I just have one point, right? So uh, if you look at how they played, although it's a four-three-three uh, on paper, they they set up as a four-two-two-two, right? Uh, that's how they set up against Germany. I would think their has looked at and read. The German game and seen so many flaws in the in the in the Portuguese midfield, especially because that's where they lost the plot. Although they they had uh, you know a couple of chances at the at the you know start of the game, uh, they essentially lost the plot in the midfield and you know with Germans literally passing around them, and that's what Toliso gives right. Toliso is somebody who would battle for it if if there is a lot you know there is a 50-50. You, you can almost put your money that Toliso will be the first person to get it. So I think that's the kind of energy that he wants in that midfield. So I think if Portugal has to play around France, then they have to play over the midfield. I think that's that's the thought process that I would I would think Portugal should have. All right, uh, fair enough. Okay, so I guess we have about just about time to kind of do uh, predictions and what you think, how you think the game would go. So Akash, let's start with you. Prediction-wise, are you brave enough to go with the score here, or are you too superstitious and you're gonna just let us know how you expect the game to be? I think I would go with the score. I okay. expect a three-two win for France. I expect oh, wow. the attack to finally deliver what they promised before the Euros because this attack okay. is lethal and they should prove that. And it's about time. Yeah, I mean, if if the World Cup has got is anything to go by, France normally do start a little slow. They don't get out of gear one until probably like the knockouts. But given that this is such a big game, and you could say in the World Cup they did play slightly lower opposition who were naturally going to sit back and defend against them. So it was a slightly slower game. But I guess against Portugal. You know, you'd expect a little more attacking here, and I, I mean, I, if it's three to, I'll be glad, man. I, I think over the past four games that I've been reviewing, it's been like one nil. Okay, Turkey maybe had three nils. That was a little better. England one nil. Spain zero zero, which is much much more frustrating from my side. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, France Germany was again one nil. So a three two, yeah, I'd definitely take it. Ajay, your predictions on this? Ronaldo to score in the ninetieth minute, two one. Okay. 
Ooh. Okay, but who? But you know one. <laughs> you don't know. Uh, Portugal. Okay, perfect. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, I mean, either of those goals I'll take, especially if it's a, it's got a last-minute goal. That, that'll be even more exciting. But yeah, I think only time will tell. So I guess for those of you listening to this pre-match build-up, that's it for this segment. The next time you hear our voices on the audio podcast, it'll be during the halftime review. So you'll probably know what the score is after the first half. Until then, I'll catch you all soon. See you. Alright, so now welcome to the halftime review where we're going to be reviewing the game between Portugal and France, the first half. It's been an interesting first half. I wouldn't say the most entertaining or the most exciting first half. It has been interesting because you know certain decisions that are controversial slash debatable that we'll be discussing that have led to two goals one for, for each side. And we'll also kind of hint upon what's been happening in the Germany-Hungary game and also what are the probably consequences of that. But uh, yeah, to, so joining me uh, uh, on this halftime review are Akash and Ajay. Uh, so guys, what did you make of this first half? Uh, you know, interesting, exciting, boring. What, what are the adjectives that you guys could use to describe this first half? I think it was quite interesting in terms of the events in the game. I would have expected more end-to-end stuff, but I think even the coaches were going for a midfield, a control of the midfield. So I think it makes sense that it was a midfield battle. I was just surprised that Portugal actually won out in the midfield battle for me in the first half, actually. A lot to do with Renato Sanchez, I think. Yeah, so I am slightly underwhelmed by France's performance because I think they should have gotten more chances. They should have been more direct. But yeah, so far, so good. No, I think the fact that we haven't mentioned Kante too much in the game is a, is a huge success for Portugal. I think that's that's one of the things that they would have set out on the pitch. I know when they set out on the pitch, I think that's, that's one of those things that they would have discussed. And I think they've done it very well in terms of going down the left channel. And another thing that I'm I'm probably uh, underwhelmed is, is the fact that you know they had too many good positions. They took a lot of good positions at various points in the game, and they were too edgy. They were too anxious to score the second goal or score two goals in the first half. I think that 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 composure is something that I would prefer, so that they're able to convert some of these opportunities as opposed to having those balls into the into the into the box or you know hitting wayward shots. So. I think that is something that is underwhelming. For, for the amount of good work that they have done, they are not in the lead going into this half. Right. And I mean, Renato Sanchez, what a player. I mean, definitely one of the players of the first half, especially in that midfield, the way he's been able to control the ball, pass it around, uh, definitely impressive. But for those of you who probably are also looking at the Germany-Hungary game. It's Hungary 1, Germany nil, And so at this point in time, it's, I think, Portugal, France and Hungary that are going through. Or, at, I'm, yeah, Hungary also because of that one point against France. So right now, it, it's quite interesting how the standings of the table for the group of death look. But, you know, there's still 45 minutes to play and we don't know how that will go. But Akash... 
let's let's talk about the two decisions so we because it there are two debatable decisions that went against both of your teams let's start with you first so the first penalty that was awarded to portugal for that hugo loris you know punch on danilo i i don't know how i don't know what you thought of it i we discussed this obviously during the reaction part but what did you make of that decision like as we discussed the rules of the game are so ambiguous that we really can't decide on what basis is the ref giving the penalty so on a very mechanical basis i would say it wasn't a penalty because hugo loris got the ball but then again the collision the hit to the face was really hard really hard so i don't know what the ref so i think that's what he has given the penalty on so just crudely like interpreting the rules i don't think it was a penalty but i don't know it's just is, is this one of those 50-50 decisions that you know var kind of says let's on field referees decision stay like so if you look at cricket you have the umpire's call uh, you know where it's there's that certain margin of error that they they allow or they kind of say there is there's some sort of ambiguity we're not sure whether you know yes the ball the ball hit lorries rather than lorries catching the ball but at the same time the follow through was quite hard on danilo so we're really not sure it's not clear and con- concrete or how they call it clear and obvious so now if you actually i think i'm just reading a tweet right which says yeah if lahore was the referee in, in the 2014 world cup final right remember the noyer punch on higuain which was exactly the same thing all right and yes, cool. yeah right so you know this this goalkeeper is coming out and punching the ball is 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 again uh, what do you call it? it it falls in the gray of the the rule book right now i think that then ro- literally gives room for interpretation for anybody in any referee so i think it, it's controversial but i think that's that's what makes the makes the game beautiful right Yeah, that's what I'm if, saying. If Portugal goes through, had the referee not given the penalty, he'd have we'd have said, okay, fine. I mean, that's also fine. We we've seen it not been given before, so it's it's that kind of thing that I'm glad VAR didn't come out and say it's clear and concise that this is what happened. They said you made the decision. We can't overrule it. So, and I I guess that's fine because that that's the sort of margin of error that. we have to accept it's not an actual science in the sense that we're not going to get 100% decisions from vr every every single time this margin of error is kept in the game to allow for such sort of instances for me i personally wouldn't have done it he has given the decision based on what i guess we'll hear from later on if at all um and so it's fine i don't think vr has to be blamed for not overruling this i think this is something like we've discussed is so ambiguous that we are themselves cannot say yes it, it was a note well so letting it is fine and uh, let's move on to you ajay the second one portugal i know we've had this discussion again during the reaction but semedo's arm struggle push up or uh, no, shoulder uh, uh, again it starts with semedo's body positioning right especially yeah. the d box i think all of us who played some amount of football at at a very decent level will tell you that you have to kind of show the person that is trying to cut inward the yeah. out he he is literally on his right foot forward right literally going against whatever basic 
footballing uh, this thing that you know, all of us have been taught. So that puts him in a in a spot of uh, disadvantage. And when you have a player like Mbappe cutting through, him literally barging into him and then him extending his arm is just a fraction of a couple of seconds, right? So yeah. he, he's just trying to kind of push him out. And in that process, he's extended his arm. I think that's the only thing that I see that that merits a penalty. But if you ask me in terms of the contact, I think Mbappe has made a meal out of it, to be honest. I, I get the I get the impact. So obviously Mbappe has exaggerated and I mean which which striker in modern day football doesn't exactly, you know, exaggerate the fall, but in order to get the decision in his favor. But in terms of Samira, I completely agree. I think letting Mbappe run on on his wrong side was was a mistake in the first place. But I feel like Pogba's the delivery wasn't the best. I felt like had you let him go, I don't think Mbappe would have had the pace. He's not like the road runner to run at such speed that he would have got to the ball before the goalkeeper had. And in the other end, you could argue that given that he couldn't have reached the ball, it isn't like normally if the ball had gone out of play, you don't really give the a foul because you know you know that the player is not normally going to get it. But here, given that it did bounce, maybe you giving that chance to Mbappe and. Talking about like the contact made, even I felt like the initial contact I don't think was a foul, like because it is kind of just the shoulder, but it was the second sort of extension, extension. yeah, which which felt like that was what. Now I don't know. Again, in terms of the rules, is it the initial contact? But again, I guess because he extended it, it doesn't really matter because the moment you extend the arm, that you could if you don't deem the first one. A foul, you'll def- definitely count the second one to his back a foul. So it, I guess it is a penalty. But yeah, I think because of that penalty, it kind of sets the game up for this very enthralling second half where, you know, both teams will, I don't know how they're going to play it off. Ajay, do you think they're going to, you know, sit back and say, listen, with a 1-1 draw, we're both going to be qualified. Why are we going to go hammer and tongs over this and risk one of us Maybe not going through. I think if Portugal lose this, then they are in a more dangerous position than, say, if France lose this, loses this. But so that is if Germany was to win or whatever happens there. But, you know, what what is the team talk from Fernando Santos for this game? No, if it was, you know, what do you call it? If it was any of these average clubs, average countries like England, Czech, Pulit, <laughs> friendly in the second half, right? Yeah. Players and rotated seven players, was it? In the yeah, second, think, yeah. to protect themselves, uh, not protect the players uh, you know, for the round of sixteen. I think if it was an uh, an average country, a footballing country, then they would do that. But all three in the mix, I think, want to win it. So mm-hmm. the process, especially in a, a what do you call it, in a dressing room that has Ronaldo, would be to take the advantage and take the advantage early. So. With, with their defense looking so circumspect, you know, as we saw in the second half against Germany, I think I really hope Portugal scores two. I know I said two one, but yeah, you know, it's in line. Really, you know, we don't know what is going to happen in the Hungary German game, right? So yeah. it's best for all that Portugal scores two and score early. Portugal have been so good in the first half, especially dominating that midfield. So it'll be waste for them to kind of say, we've had so much of possession in the midfield, now we just like, leave it. We're 1-1. Like, screw it. I mean, we're going through anyway. Let's not risk it. But yeah, I think in terms of 
going for the win you you definitely want to put out a statement of intent of, by beating world cup champions and also showing that you have the metal of retaining the euros you know portugal do have such a good squad and it'll be a shame to see you know one of these teams of the group of death miss even hungary to be fair you know the passion the amount of effort they've all put in throughout these games it'll be sad to see one of these teams go but akash on the other hand from france didier deschamps obviously the first half he wouldn't have been happy with it in terms of at least the attacking intent and the way the midfield probably was outrun or you know taken over by portugal what does he say now and how does he move forward i think one plus point for france is that they scored so close to the end of first half i think that is the motivation they have and they should continue with that motivation and as uh, ajay said it's like both of these are huge teams they aren't average footballing nations so even france i would expect them to actually shift gears from one to at least the fourth gear panch yeah. mat jao but at least the fourth gear so at least i would expect them to show some intent which was lacking in the first half so there was some like one or two passes which were quality but the intent was what was lacking the now it can be down to how portugal played obviously portugal did a good job on them you can't really just say that france was entirely to blame but i would still expect them to show a little bit more vigor and go for the win so yeah, yeah. and portugal are coming at them they are not going to stop yeah i think we're in line to meet either of your predictions because it's one one so it could easily be a 90th minute goal from cristiano ronaldo or it could be a 3-2 win for france i mean either which way i think we're in for hopefully an entertaining second half with a lot more roller coaster moments especially with what's going to be ha- what's going to happen in the germany hungary game as well so yeah i guess stay tuned for that uh, we can already see the players come out here and yeah i guess the next time we talk to you or you we talk about this game it'll be post the match so you people listening to this podcast you will obviously know what the result is and you probably will either be laughing at us saying that we've got our predictions completely wrong or you'll probably be yeah congratulating us because we've actually predicted something right so yeah i guess we'll catch you all for the next post match review segment which will be coming up right after this see you All right so welcome now to the post match review segment we've just finished watching the match Portugal to France to I guess that's probably a spoiler alert for those of you who haven't watched the match but I'm guessing most of you have so it doesn't really matter so it's been quite an entertaining night guys I think with the Germany game as well going side by side we've had you know we we all wish we had four eyes i think all of us are wearing glasses so in that whole sort of bully terminology we are all have four, four eyes we've got we had two eyes on the portugal germany game a uh, portugal france game and we got two eyes on the germany hungary game and yeah what an entertaining second half i think it couldn't have started off any better with that goal from france and obviously the second goal by Portugal with the penalty we'll cover all of that also to talking about the Germany Germany Hungary game and what are the consequences of all of that so akash let's start with you man like what, what did you make of it how did you 
how do you think the second half went for france and for the group as a whole the second half for france was much better than the first half it really maybe it didn't show their full potential but it did show that their quality is what makes the difference in most of the games so that pass from pogba was just exquisite that was brilliant and then mbappe and then benzema with the finish Mbappe was wishful thinking. I was wanted him to score, but it's okay. He <laughs> didn't. But yeah, I think a much better game from France in the second half, and even Portugal did play really well. They knew what they had to do to get a result. So that was a mature performance from them. And Renato Sanchez was just brilliant. Yeah, and for the group, it was just the second half of both the games was crazy. Like it was everything you would. expect from the final group stage match like especially when four teams are vying for qualification this was something that was much needed since there are there have been a few games which have been really boring in yeah i mean every goal brought about a new new change in the standings because you had france score the first goal and then you're like okay maybe portugal are out And then you have Portugal. Uh, then you had Germany score the equalizer, and you said, "Okay, Portugal are definitely out." And then you had Portugal score the equalizer, and then you're like, "And Hungary score their winner, or at that point, winner." And it was just mayhem. It was a roller coaster in that entire standing. And Ajay, as a Portugal fan, what did you make of that second half? See, I tell you this: one thing that I feared the most was Portugal sitting deep and inviting trouble. Although they had an initial five-minute spell where France was all over them, I think they purely through Renato Sanchez they regained control of the game. And you know, for for the major part of the you know the first twenty thirty minutes, Portugal was in control. I think that that is that is good signs because they're going to play against teams like either Netherlands or Belgium, right? Uh, who are again possession-based teams. and for them to come against these kind of teams i think it is important for people like renato sanchez to find his game so i think that that's a positive for portugal but again going back to you know their defense i think that's another thing that that is you know that's the most scariest part for me and you can't you can't have a defense like this and hope to win a hope to win a title so i think there are both positives and negative but i'm i'm so glad that we finished third and we get relatively you know easier of the draws i think in that sense if, we, if portugal does get a team like netherlands it will just play into their hands because netherlands have you know the way they set up i think it it makes very exciting gameplay possible for portugal uh, okay so i think yeah talking about the defense i mean the first goal itself you know we thought that portugal might sit back and probably just take the draw and see how it goes over time maybe counter attack France when they have the chance, but like that pass by Pogba has completely unlocked the defense. Just showed how you know something, someone of with that quality, and you will find people with those kind of qualities as you progress into the tournament. You know, would can unlock your defense, and we've seen it with Germany. We saw it against it France as well. So it was probably slightly unnerving from Portugal, but they did well to obviously come back uh, the penalty decision as well. uh just before we get to that penalty decision you will i was just looking at the fixtures you won't be playing netherlands because they're playing czech republic so you will be playing belgium oh, okay so yeah that's going to be 
crazy as crazy as the netherlands czech republic and uh, as it would have been had you played netherlands so because that is the only group you could be tied to because sweden will be playing someone from who's come third in abc or d and you won't be, you can't obviously be playing someone from your same group so that is belgium's apparently the only team that you have right now so it's oh, okay so i mean it's as it's going to be as interesting or as difficult as playing in netherlands and yeah but i can't wait to see that but let's talk about this penalty ajay clear handball this is probably the easiest penalty to give right yeah i think it, it just comes to show you know if portugal really want to attack and put people on the box right they are an exciting team it's it's just that they are very constrained in the way they play and going back to the penalty i think uh, one thing that's admirable is is the fact that they had every time there was a cross put in they at least had two bodies in the in the box all right that is again something that is a drastic change from the previous couple of games to now so mm-hmm. that's good signs for portugal on the attacking front and congratulations to ronaldo because he yeah. equals the all time world record of you know the highest goal scored so he's a great ambassador to the game and he's is is probably somebody who will again carry the entire team to another euros victory yeah it's kuzi equal yeah i did and thank god it isn't pele because pele i'm pretty sure would have found another way to increase his goal tallies in international football as well but yeah akash for how where does france now go from this because they're obviously top of the table i if i'm not mistaken they are playing switzerland so i mean it's not it's it's a relatively easier you know fixture but what do you make of it i mean i would expect france to go up from here like they can only better this performance they have to since it's coming to the knockout stages but from what i've seen especially the hungary game i think what worries me is that france doesn't really have that much of a or that much of a motivate motiv- i don't know if they are motivated obviously in the euros but i don't know what happens but they don't really go forward much they aren't really as direct so i don't know how they will play against switzerland because since the hungary game i am not really sure how they will play against a smaller opponent a relatively smaller opponent so maybe they get complacent i don't know what happens but maybe they should really play it like play every game like it's a final because i mean that technically it is, you could just get knocked out is, no yeah, more you could just get knocked out but considering it's switzerland they might take it easy and they should not do that because they have struggled when they have taken it easy they have the quality they just need to make sure that they have the motivation as well and ajay portugal obviously we spoken about playing belgium but how do you see them you know move on from this group stage I mean, it's been okay against Hungary. They obviously left it late against France. It was quite a determined performance, and probably they didn't have to shift too much in terms of gears because neither was France in like gear four. They also, well, I'm I don't know whether they knew that they were okay. They're drawn, so they didn't really need to kind of go all out and attack and risk losing the goal. The probably only the downside was that Germany game. So how do they move on from here? So if they played the same game that they gave against someone like a Netherlands, they could have. I think they have a very high possibility because I've been watching Netherlands play too. But now that you're going to play a team like Belgium, uh, the same amount of impact 
across across defense, across midfield, across forward play. I think uh, Belgium, uh, unless they have the likes of Jota running on Alderweireld or uh, Vertonghen, or you know, on the other side, Bernardo Silva having a blinder, Belgium could literally pass them around. The same thing that happened with. I don't know why France was wasn't effective because they could have easily played a four-one-two-three. All right, they just they just continued to kind of have it as a four-two-one-three or four-two-two-two. All right, so that, that that's why I think it was easy for people to literally control the midfield. I don't think that's going to happen with Belgium because KDB is going to come into the come into the fold. All right, you can't afford. Yeah. Have Danilo plus two. You need to have Danilo Carvalho because you know KDB in the form that he is. I I don't think you know a one man midfield does does anyone. So it's worrisome. I think the 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 one good thing about this Portuguese squad is it's got depth, and they can they can they can play four four five different systems with the same team. So I think that's that's the best part of it. But yeah, I think it's it's slightly worrisome to be honest. Yeah, I mean it's going to be a cracker of a game that that especially the France Switzerland thing. I if like I said, if history is anything to go by, they will up the gear now that it's in the knockouts. You probably see Mbappe make better runs now, start scoring a lot more goals. But again, that's if you go by history, and that is if everything falls into place. But I mean, if football is any, if we know football, it's that you know nothing is guaranteed. You can easily see. I mean. If Switzerland are in form and find their way through, maybe Shakiri scores a wonder goal, maybe Shaka scores a banger from 30 yards out and it's a different game. But yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. I, before we end this, I want to ask you who your player of the match was. So Ajay, one player that probably stood out and I guess we've discussed this time and time again. I'm pretty sure over the reaction as well as the halftime review and everything. But I probably have to ask you this. Who is your player of the match? It is Renato Sanchez. I think he's literally changed the the dynamic of how how this team plays. It, it's very akin to how Joe Willock had had come in half season, you know, midway for Newcastle, and then changed the dynamic of how we play. I think he's brought in the same energy. He's carried the team forward. I think more. I think what I saw in the German game was, you know, you had players deep lying midfielders just staying there. I think he actually egged uh, Danilo to run past him or Moutinho to kind of. Cut in field, you know, between lines, play between lines. So that is maturity for me. So I think for him, for him to kind of come into a game like this and literally boss Kante, Pogba, and Toliso, I think that it, it's 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 a huge thing. So for me, it is Renato Sanchez. And Akash, for me also, it's Renato Sanchez. Like there was no other player who was as visible on the pitch and as effective in his play. And he single-handedly, like, bossed the French midfield. Like, that's not easy to do considering the players that are there. So, Renato Sanchez, definitely. And since I'm a France supporter, I would really give a shout-out to Pompa because even though he's been good this season, he did surpass expectations in this match. Although, obviously, Renato Sanchez was always had an upper hand on him, yet he showed his quality at times. So, that was... Like that showed what Pogba could do if he wants to do something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also a couple of shout-outs, especially in Portugal, to probably like Pepe. I think it's quite solid as at the back. You know, kept 
Mbappe quite, you know, Benzema probably had the better because he was going up against Diaz, but I think kept Mbappe and Griezmann quite quiet, especially in and around that uh, penalty box. And I'm really pretty sure with a couple of really key saves uh, as well. So, but I think, yeah, I'd, I'd agree for a player that, you know, who's often been criticized for being quite wasteful with his talent, especially during his time at Swansea and then, you know, Bayern. And he's somehow managed to pull it up with Lille, won the, won the league this year. And yeah, today we've seen the quality that he has. It's just We just hope that he shows more of it in the future. I mean, definitely is a talented player there. And yeah, it also, I mean, that also results from, stems from the fact that, you know, certain players mature uh, or bloom at certain, at later stages. And, you know, if he played, he started his career quite young and especially moved to these big clubs quite young. So it does take time and I'm glad to see him you know, do well in the international stage as well as in the domestic club. So I'm I'm glad that I mean, we can all agree that Renato is definitely one of the key players in the game today. And yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he gets selected for Portugal uh, for the game against uh, Belgium and see how he puts up against the likes of you know De Bruyne, Hazard. I'm not sure who else is there, but yeah, it's going to be crazy fun. fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So definitely. So, I guess that's all the time we have for this particular review. So, thank you, Akash and Ajay, for being a part of this podcast and reaction. Uh, I'm glad we could have you on here. And I hope you've enjoyed yourself for this two and a half hours that we've reacted and reviewed the whole thing. So, uh, I'm glad that you did enjoy yourself. I had a good time talking to you guys about the game and about other stuff as well. And yeah, I can't wait to host you in the near future. Whether it be for similar such stuff that we may do come next season... Or our usual podcast where we talk about, you know, either Real Madrid or Newcastle in greater detail. And Thanks for hosting us, Prati. Yeah, thank you. No problem. No problem. And, and, I, and I hope you had a better game than any of the previous ones. That we- yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> much better. Much, much better. I think yes. this, com- also the fact that the Germany thing also happened, which, I mean, Germany managed to equalize and uh, you know draw against Hungary which means that they're through as well so all of that combined it was quite an entertaining and eventful yeah eventful definitely eventful evening most of the times I kind of regret doing the watch long because I feel like I could have caught up on some much needed sleep but uh, you know today is one such day where I was so glad that I stayed up and kind of did this so thank you once again and to those of you listening to this podcast Please do check out our previous uh, episodes uh, on the audio podcast. You can do that on several different podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast, you know, Anchor, stuff like that. You can, wherever you listen to your podcast, we're probably there. And you can catch the reaction on YouTube. I'll post the links on Twitter and Instagram, which is also the platforms on which you can, you can reach out to me if you want to be a part of the podcast as well. So I guess that's about it. I'll catch you all, I guess, during one of the other round of 16 games. That's it for us. And that's it for the group stages of Euro 2020. I'm your host, Praddy, once again. You stay safe until then. And see you.